grandfather, Ron Shipley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to the revised edition of Episode 8 in the AIC Christian Education video series, The Nicene Creed. The revised series includes many new illustrations and enhanced cross-references to other AIC resources in video, podcast, and print form available through links on our website. In this episode, the final episode in the series, my focus is on the final phrases of the final paragraph of the Nicene Creed from Who Spake by the Prophets through Amen, followed by summary remarks about the series and the creed. The music used in the opening and closing titles is Reginald Heber's Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, written in 1827 A.D., based on Revelation 4, verses 6 to 11, 5, 13, 15, 2 to 4, and Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. It is performed on the organ in England by Richard Irwin to the tune Nicaea, composed by John B. Dykes in 1861 A.D. I encourage viewers to visit Richard's dedicated webpage, https colon right slash right slash play dot hymnswithoutwords.com. And I thank Richard for granting permission for its use. The Nicene Creed continues with Who Spake by the Prophets. Prophets comes from two Greek words, pro meaning for and phanai meaning to speak. A prophet is one who speaks for another. In theological terms, it means one who speaks for God. By who spake by the prophets, the Nicene Creed teaches the doctrine that the prophets spoke words inspired by the Holy Spirit. The illustration is the 15th century mosaic of the fathers of the Council of Constantinople that I used previously in episode 7. Here, prophets means all those by that name in the Old Testament, including the writing prophets, major and minor, terms which refer to the length of the books that they wrote, and others who did not write books, such as Elijah. The major prophets shown in the illustration are Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Each except Isaiah is pictured in an Eastern Orthodox icon or painting. Isaiah is shown in an 11th century Byzantine mosaic on the Greek island of Chios. The minor prophets, again meaning the people who wrote the smaller books, and whose images are included in the illustration are Amos, Habakkuk, Haggai, Hosea, Joel, Jonah, Malachi, Micah, Nahum, Obadiah, Zechariah, and Zephaniah, each depicted in historic art or iconography. Among the books of the Old Testament Apocrypha, or the second canon of the Old Testament, the book of Baruch and the Epistle of Jeremiah are considered prophecy. In the AIC bookstore publication, 
the writing prophets of the Old Testament, you'll find a summary of the writings of each of the 12 prophets, both major and minor, complete with historic art across the centuries, and the complete text of the verses from Daniel in the Apocrypha that were left out of the King James Version. The book is available in paperback and Kindle through the virtual bookstore link at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. In the New Testament era, St. John the Baptist appears first in the Gospel of St. Luke as a forerunner to the incarnation of Christ. In the illustration, a detail from the Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection, the harrowing of Hades, which will be used in its full size later in this episode, St. John the Baptist, honored with the title of the last prophet of the Old Testament, stands in the honored position at the right hand of Jesus. The Nicene Creed continues with, And I believe in one Catholic and apostolic church. The word Catholic is widely misunderstood. It comes from the Greek katholikos, which means universal. It does not refer to the Roman Catholic Church, whether you use a capital C or a small letter C. Many Anglican scholars have argued that a church cannot be both universal and Catholic in the modern Roman Catholic sense, meaning a denomination. The creed is referring to the church universal, which was established on earth following the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, an event discussed in episode 7. The original text of the Nicene Creed includes the word holy in front of Catholic. It is not known why holy was left out of the Nicene Creed as it is used in Anglican worship based on the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, and in most other denominations other than in the Eastern Orthodox Church, which still uses the word holy. Possibly it was an overreaction to the excesses of Rome prior to the Protestant Reformation. The illustration is a depiction of the letter to the church at Laodicea, the seventh and last of the seven letters to the churches of Asia Minor in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, and it comes from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation, as shown in the AIC bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, which, like all our books, is available in paperback and Kindle editions through our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Revelation and Idealist Interpretation includes 51 illustrations from the Bamberg Apocalypse. The Creed asserts that the Church is both Catholic and Apostolic. Apostolic means that the church universal was established in a direct line of descent from the apostles. St. Jude urged readers to, quote, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, Jude 3b. 
The authority of bishops, priests, and deacons in the Anglican tradition is based upon the same doctrine called apostolic succession. Today, only in the churches in the Anglican tradition, the Roman Catholic Church, and various Eastern Orthodox churches, do they still maintain a line of direct succession from the apostles based on 1 Timothy 3. The illustration is an Orthodox icon of the Twelve Apostles with St. Paul depicted as the Twelfth from a reproduction owned by the author and available from St. Isaac of Syria Skate at http colon slash www.sketee.com. The Nicene Creed continues with I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. The word baptism, which describes the Christian sacrament of initiation into the church, comes from the Greek verb baptizo, which means to immerse. The illustration is a late 19th century depiction of the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Following Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28, verse 19, Christians are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The full quotation is, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist baptized with water following public repentance described in Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. St. Luke describes St. Paul's correction of the form of baptism practiced by followers of John the Baptist by showing St. Paul performing baptism by water but in the Holy Spirit in Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. The illustration is a modern baptism at Yardanet, Israel, just west of the south end of the Sea of Galilee. The location is not the traditional site of Jesus' baptism, which is far to the south on the Israel-Jordan border. The doctrine of baptism by water in the Holy Spirit is based upon Jesus' explanation to the Pharisee Nicodemus concerning how a person can be born again without re-entering his mother's womb, from John 3, verse 4. Jesus said that, quote, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's John 3, verse 5. The illustration is a stained glass window by Mayor of Munich at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light, also available at our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. In Anglican practice, baptism must be preceded by an expression of faith, a confession of sins, and a meaningful repentance. Based upon the writings of St. Paul in Romans 6, 4, Colossians 2, verses 12 to 14. Anglicans are taught that through baptism, Christians become dead to sin and are refreshed and prepared for life eternal. The illustration is the unfinished icon of St. Paul by noted Russian icon artist Andrei Rublyov.
In the Anglican tradition, which practices infant baptism, the one being baptized is anointed with holy oil and sprinkled with holy water three times, symbolizing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The illustration for this and the next two slides is the baptismal font at Old St. Paul's Church, circa 1866 A.D. in Wellington, New Zealand. In the Anglican tradition, the Apostles' Creed is used at baptism and not the Nicene Creed. When a child who has been baptized as an infant comes of age, the child undergoes confirmation classes as a teenager and is then confirmed or admitted into the full membership of the church. Confirmation may only be celebrated by a bishop. Anglicans are taught in the Catechism that there are two signs at baptism, an outward and an inward sign. The outward or visible sign is the water. The inward or invisible or I would say spiritual sign is the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit who makes them alive again after death to sin through baptism. The Nicene Creed continues with, I look for the resurrection of the dead. The Nicene Creed teaches belief not only in the literal truth of Jesus' resurrection, described in earlier episodes, and that there will be a general resurrection of the body of all the dead after the second coming of Christ. The illustration is a 14th century Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection, the harrowing of Hades, which shows Jesus lifting Adam, who is in white at the left of the image, and Eve in red at the right of the image, from the grave. Below them are bound, unresurrected, unrighteous dead left in the grave, as St. John the Baptist looks on from Jesus' right hand, which is on the left side of the picture. For more on the concept of the right hand as the honored position, See episode 6 in this series and the right-hand entry in Layman's Lexicon from our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. St. John taught in Revelation 21 verse 22 that after the resurrection of the bodies of all the dead, death and Hades will be tossed into the lake of fire and that Jesus Christ will preside over the judgment of all after which there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The illustration is the New Jerusalem, a drawing from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an early 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation featured in the AIC bookstore publication Revelation, an idealist interpretation available through our virtual bookstore at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The Nicene Creed continues with And the Life of the World to Come. The Christian doctrine of eternal life in the everlasting kingdom has Old Testament precedent in the Hebrew phrase expressing the desire of the faithful in the final verse of Psalm 23. And here I read from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer text of Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely thy loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
the phrase foreshadows the meaning of the river of life and the tree of life illustration from the Bamberg Apocalypse as used in Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. Another Old Testament concept widely understood by the early Christians but mostly unfamiliar to modern Christians is the concept of a sojourner, which means one who resides in a land not his or her own. Examples are Abraham, Moses, and the Hebrew people in Egypt. In early Christian thinking, all Christians are sojourners on the earth, awaiting a heavenly home in the life everlasting that is the heavenly kingdom of the Father. The illustration is Moses coming down from Mount Sinai, an engraving by Gustav Dore, published around 1866 from his Grand Bible du Tours, simultaneously published in Paris and London. One final Old Testament precedent is the doxology in Psalm 145, verse 13. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all ages. The illustration is the title page to a book of Psalms published in the United States in New England around 1600 A.D. In the New Testament, the meaning is made absolutely clear by Jesus himself in his dialogue with St. Peter concerning the fate of those who had followed him. He warns them to expect persecution on earth, but promises eternal life in the kingdom to come. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. The quotation is from Luke 18, verses 29 and 30. There are similar quotations in Matthew 19, verse 27 to 30, and Mark 10, verses 28 to 31. The illustration, again, is the harrowing of Hades, a Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection. The Nicene Creed continues with Amen. The literal meaning of this Old Testament Hebrew word is not clear, but the context of its use by the Hebrews, especially in the 12 verses in Deuteronomy 27, verse 15 to 26, suggests a meaning of so be it. It was used as the final word at the end of each of the first four books of the Psalms, that is, at the end of Psalms 41, 72, 89, and 106, perhaps in the form suggested by some scholars as meaning an affirmation that the words which precede them are the truth. The illustration is a late 19th century engraving by Gustav Doré of the prophet Micah preaching in a public square from the very popular book Doré's English Bible. In the New Testament, it is generally used, as in Psalm 41, 72, 89, and 106, as a benediction, which is how it is used in all four Gospels, including St. Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.13. There are dozens of uses in that form in the epistles, especially and extensively by St. Paul, in which there are 29 occasions in the King James text, 
in which he used it in every one of his epistles, and also in Hebrews, traditionally credited to St. Paul. It was used four times by St. Peter, twice by St. John, and once by St. Luke in that same meaning. Nine of ten uses by St. John in Revelation have the same meaning. In traditional Christian worship, in both private and liturgical uses, that is, in prayers during a service, both the Old Testament and the New Testament meaning of so be it is retained with the amen either or both bringing a prayer to an end or the suggestion that there is nothing more to be said. The illustration is St. Paul as represented on the facade of the Romanian Orthodox Patriarchal Cathedral in Bucharest, Romania. The exception in the New Testament is Revelation 3, verse 14, the letter to the church at Laodicea, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Here the Amen is a title of Jesus Christ, whose incarnation affirms God's promises to mankind. The illustration is John instructed to write to the Laodiceans another illumination from the Bamberg Apocalypse as used in Revelation, an idealist interpretation mentioned earlier. For viewers who are interested in understanding the historical and textual differences between the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed, the latter of which is traditionally used as the baptismal creed in the church, as noted earlier in this episode, and which arose entirely from within the Western church, see the Apostles' Creed, pages 36 to 39, in the AIC bookstore publication, The Beliefs of the Anglican Church, once again available through our virtual bookstore at www anglicaninternetchurch.net or by special order through your local bookstore. Thank you for joining me for this episode and the other seven episodes of the Nicene Creed. In this series, I have illustrated both the historical context of both the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. and the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D., Throughout the series, I have included theological and scriptural sources of the phrases used and, wherever possible, illustrated the series with historic paintings, sketches, engravings, frescoes, mosaics, and icons from both the Western and Eastern Church traditions. I have demonstrated throughout the series, especially in Episode 1, that the Nicene Creed, is not the cause of heresy in the church, but that it was written to counter the major heresies that existed in the church in the centuries before the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople. Other AIC resources mentioned in this episode can be accessed on demand 24-7 from our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. You can watch this and other videos in the Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video categories from either the Bible study page or the digital library page. If you prefer, you can listen to podcast versions of all our videos 
using links on the podcast archive page and podcast homilies based upon readings in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer from the links on the podcast homilies page. Or you can acquire and read any AIC bookstore publication using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The link takes you to my Amazon Author Central page, where nearly all our books are available either in paperback or Kindle editions. The dedicated direct link is https colon slash slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. All the words after dot com must be in lowercase only. Please be assured that 100% of all book royalties are contributed to the AIC. I thank you again for joining me for this series, whether by watching the videos or by listening to the podcast versions. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.